0: I don't believe, I always think that all this bullshit about to provoke you a little bit more. This is superstitious logic. It's pure ideology. You know this
1: ecological bullshit, like... Uh... Hello, welcome to the end of the world. This is Anthropocene's episode 61, and today we're talking uh, about a couple movies we're both big fans of, and this is going to be basically an hour of us doing bad Bored impressions. I think
0: very nice.
1: Uh, talking about uh, let me let me make sure I get these titles right because we're professional. Uh, Borat Cultural Learnings Borat- of America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan from 2006, and then Borat subsequent movie film delivery of prodigious bride bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan from 2020. The director is maybe not super important, but. Larry Charles was the first one, and Jason Wollner was the second. Um, and so, yeah, this is you the know, brainchild of Sasha Baron Cohen, one of the great satirists of our age.
0: Yeah. He, like, uh, as popular as he is, I feel like he should be more popular. Yeah.
1: And it, it's funny, because his older stuff, well, I don't know, like, when I say older stuff, I mainly mean like L.E.G., the G show, um, yeah. which was also great. And the whole thing with L.E.G., and I've, heard, I've seen him talk about this in interviews where uh, he'll get whoever he's interviewing to assume that L.E.G. is just some fucking, fucking moron. And then he like drops some heavy question on them, you know, <laughs> yeah. and he just uses like basic sort of like reasoning where he's like, well, if that's OK, and then, you know, he'll ask him something and then, then they don't really know how to answer um but the where was i going with this anyway yeah so you're saying he needs more credit so that's kind of what i was getting at is he's created a lot of characters that are really kind of iconic but people might not be as aware of uh minus bruno which i don't really like bruno very much i kind of appreciate the ending of bruno for what i was going to say
0: <laughs> it's uh that's just legendary stuff there the the final scene in the wrestling cage or whatever
1: yeah and that and that's what he's good at is getting people to sort of readily and uh you know forcefully let their their you know darker side come out and sort of be known and let really let their freak flag fly
0: yeah yeah i i think uh part of the reason he's not more popular even like you know he's he is extremely famous but it's there's this shield that uh, that most people have up where it's sort of like it's sort of like the uh john similar to john stewart where people could always dismiss him as just a comedian you know Mm -hmm. um and and i think you saw that uh, mostly in terms of sasha baron cohen with who is America? The Showtime yes. show, where because out and Sacha Baron Cohen were already a, a you know a, a household name, the conservatives and, and it was conservatives and Republicans that he was targeting to to show how morally bankrupt they are. Uh, they tried to get ahead of it and and uh, compliment you know, Sasha Baron Cohen on being a very funny, clever uh, you know, performer. Um, uh, and, and thereby sort of de- defang the, uh, satire and the commentary, the political commentary. And, and like people should not make any mistakes about this. Like the whole reason these are funny is the political commentary. It's not like, Oh, isn't it funny that this guy's dressing up? And and playing prank—that's what they kept saying about who is America. They kept saying uh, pranks, like, "Oh, what a great prankster he is." No, motherfucker, you just said something that was ridiculous, and you should not hold office anymore. It, it's not—it's not some like objective, neutral, you know, unbiased prank. It is a political expose.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if you saw this going around when the second one came out, but uh there there was a, a weird string of people, uh mostly kind of right-wing people on Twitter who were saying like why did Sasha Baron Cohen have to go and get political? The first one was just a was just funny because it was a, you know, fish out of water, you know, wacky foreign reporter and I was like, "Wow, no. I, you are so incredibly blind." What
0: what that means is whoever said that was too young to like, was not engaged in politics in 2006 when the first one came out.
1: Yeah. Or they like just unironically laughed at the running of the Jew and never analyzed why that's fucked up. <laughs> you know, something right. like that. Uh, right. They only like the parts of Borat that are meant to be highly ironic and to pull things out of other people. Um. Yeah. So yeah,
0: that's, that's something I want to get into. Uh, Cause I think one of the most, sort of like socially or I don't know how you'd put it, Uh, I guess politically interesting uh, aspects of this, of these movies is how it toes the line uh, of like PC culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, you know, a lot of people talk about like PC culture is kind of killing comedy. Um, And that's a certain type, you know, a certain type of person says that. And how, you know, but there's still a lot of people who find Borat like offensive just from like, like not even politically offensive, just like morally offensive or, or, you know, they, there's like nudity and, and, and things like that. Um, and so it's, it's really interesting how the Borat films manage to be pro, uh, I don't want to say pro-PC culture, but they're like, their beliefs are clearly in line with what is, you know, what is kind of mainstream PC. And yet the films themselves constantly breach what is accepted as politically correct. Uh, And they do that by, you know, creating this character uh, who, because he is, you know, this, this fictional character can, uh, can be as politically incorrect, you know, as he can be, and just, but, but he, he, he is that way in such a way to, uh, you know, point out how politically incorrect these other people, these real people are once they're given this sort of Rorschach of the foreign other on which to project their, you know, themselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just thinking about uh, how the the second movie, which was uh, this, was kind of interesting to me. It sort of makes a, even like a sort of concerted effort to kind of steer toward being more PC, and it's sort of like under the guise of Borat now has a daughter and has to learn that women aren't uh, these mystifying objects that you need a owner's manual for, that that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Which which was kind of, kind of, an interesting turn to take. That like just because he has a daughter, okay, now he has to sort of like figure out how to how to navigate these things a little bit more delicately, I guess. Um, but the but the aspect of him being a, a foreign, you know, journalist, and the fact that he's a journalist at all is something that sort of people forget. That <laughs> that's part of the plot. That he's not just some wacky dude running around doing, you know, wacky foreign guy stuff. Um, right. But um, the fact that he's foreign, he's from Kazakhstan, which is a country that I'm sure plenty of people still don't know is a real country. Um, right. And, you know, and he's had plenty of run-ins with you know, the Kazakhs are not very fond of Borat. And yeah, and,
0: the movie was banned. I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah. And like the, the opening scenes with the village and like all the, you know, the sort of shitty rundown Kazakh village is more like, I think that was actually shot like in Romania or it's more hmm. like, you know, reminiscent of, of that sort of thing. So he he's taking a lot of stereotypes about you know capital F foreigners and and throwing them all together and flinging them up against the wall and seeing what sticks. And for the most part, it's pretty much whatever he comes up with. People are willing to accept it, kind of yeah. whole hog. And that's and that's why, even though the the part of Borat that I'm really more interested in is when he gets people to just fully divulge whatever you know evil is in their heart um there's also this part yeah, that's, uh,
0: that first in the first one with those guys those like frat guys on the bus
1: yes or the guy or when he's like uh you know in our country we hang the gays and he's like that's what we're trying to get done here yeah that kind of yeah thing. like i
0: said he he because he is a foreign other and I think a big part of it is that he, his English, you know, the Borat's English is, is, you know, kind of, uh, hard for a lot of people to understand. And, uh, you know, it's clear, it's clear that he doesn't speak English perfectly well. And so people feel disarmed and like they can say things in the most sort of blatant, almost like childish ways. And so they end up saying the sort of uh, kind of basest version of what they mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the fact that they don't stop themselves from saying that is just it's revealed. And, and and you see in in uh, who is America, you see that he targets some liberal politicians like Bernie Sanders and things like that, and he does that and shows them doing exactly what the conservatives won't do, which is sort of speak up for themselves and like, yeah, and contradict these characters he's creating. Um, So it's, you know, it's one of the few sort of cultural critique uh, endeavors that actually reaches an audience.
1: Yeah. So there's that side of it. And this other side that I think is, uh I, depending on the situation can be more fascinating to me is it this kind of overwhelming politeness that's that's sort of uh there to cover over this assumed exceptionalism uh, of you know an american as opposed to a foreigner uh, where they just assume that he's ignorant or just plain stupid and so because of that he pushes them farther and farther and usually can get them to do just outrageous stuff. um it, One of the sort of less outrageous examples, but it's probably my favorite. Is I think this is a was from from TV, like pre dates the movie, I think, or maybe it was like an outtake from the movie or something. But I think you've seen it where he's in the grocery store talking to the guy that works there, and he's looking at all the all the cheese. <laughs> yeah, and he just keeps I've saying, "And, and this is cheese, and this is cheese," and the guy keeps saying, uh, "Yes, no, it's cheese."
0: No, he he keeps saying. He keeps naming different things. He's is like, this, rice? this is paper. <laughs> no, that's cheese, sir. And this is coffee. And this? <laughs>
1: um and the guy's just like, Nope. All all of these are cheese and so he just keeps and he goes for like it feels like forever. Like, that several clip is minutes, like
0: seven or eight minutes at least.
1: And the guy never loses his cool, or at least outwardly. He just sort of keeps answering the question and just he's just has it in his head that this is a person who is ignorant knows less than I do. Therefore I have to be patient and educate them in the ways of how we do things in America or whatever. And so he just keeps going and keeps going. Um, Yeah. I
0: made a, I made a note, I think is where we're we're sort of thinking about the same thing uh, where I said, I said uh, the xenophobia is implicit in all the other phobias revealed that people feel comfortable sharing their, uh I can't read my handwriting. <laughs> that people feel comfortable sharing their beliefs with a foreigner. Uh man, it's all smudge. Anyway. could you write basic it in thought, the rain? Like the basic what? thought is that uh
1: taking shower notes.
0: <laughs> it's on this bookmark. I can't read it. Um uh, the basic idea I'm saying is that xenophobia kind of undergirds all the other thing all the other issues that they talk about mm-hmm. like the reason they're willing to talk about the gays or whatever they you know whoever they hate uh, is because they think Borat is a third world backwoods moron who you know doesn't have running water and because because oh they've heard of Kazakhstan but they don't know anything about it and you know implicit in all this is Americans' utter ignorance of any country outside of america
1: and and also a big part of that as well is that they assume he'll agree with them, which is funny to be so you know xenophobic of this guy such a you know old country bumpkin from the a country that doesn't fucking matter, but he's gonna have the same values I do <laughs>
0: <And> that's, <laughs> right that's yeah. Just yeah awesome. they feel comfortable sharing it with him because yeah you're right they assume he will agree
1: because why wouldn't you that's you know the way things should be right that's sort of like how they present it um and it's just it's so great to see why it's refreshing it, the original was and then the new one as well even even though it's uh you know not quite as good in my opinion you can tell they kind of got hamstrung by covid a little bit and weren't able to sort of yeah. do everything they wanted to do yeah. Um, it's so great to see all these things about American culture and these like values and beliefs that people hold that we know are just, just shit house rat crazy. And to see them just put out there with an almost kind of like purity toward it with where, where they just sort of present it as if here's, here's my belief about abortion, you know, whatever it may be. Here's my belief about what we should do with homosexuals. And they just throw it out there with just like almost a pride. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And it, it, when they do, it's horrifying.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I went on a little rant a couple weeks ago, I think. About how much airtime ridiculous people are getting. And I know obviously this is kind of a cliche by now, but uh, Trump really has emboldened ignorant hateful people to publicly express their ignorance and hate um, and it's it just seems like i don't know if it's through the internet and social media you know m- m- being everywhere now that we're just getting a better sense of sort of who comprises the united states of america but it's it's a, a legitimate source of embarrassment for me when I watch the news and see elected officials. I mean, talking about QAnon and
1: and Georgia electing a Congressperson who right yeah that, I mean
0: it's it, it's embarrassing and and it scares me because when you when you grow up you just sort of think that adults have the answers you know when you're when you're young you just kind of think that everyone knows more than you do. Mm -hmm. And then the older you get, the more you realize that like everyone's just these like scared little animals doing the best they can. And the best that some of them can do is, is nowhere near enough. It's like, you know, like,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, I've had this conversation with a couple of different people where I asked them the question, like, do you remember the first time when your one of your parents said something that you knew immediately was very stupid <laughs> and wrong and like showed that they had a misunderstanding of something and it's like it's almost like a freudian like death of the father moment where you're like oh my god this person I thought you know as a kid I thought this person had all of the answers and had everything under control and then they just said some just outrageous shit
0: I have I don't know if this is a good answer to that question, but I uh, I remember I was in the car driving uh, riding home from school. I was probably like ten or eleven, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that song by the Bare Naked Ladies, uh, "If I Had a Million Dollars," was on the radio. Remember that song? Yeah. And there's a line where they say, uh, "If I had a million dollars." I would buy you some art, a Picasso or a Garfunkel. And I had my, my dad was, uh, you know, really liked uh, Simon and Garfunkel and he had like a Simon and Garfunkel greatest hits on, on cassette tape. So I was familiar as a 10 year old with Simon and Garfunkel and, and I knew who Picasso was. And I remember hearing that song and sort of pointing out the pun to my mom. That he says, you know, I would buy you some art, a Picasso, like a piece of art by Picasso or a Garfunkel art Garfunkel. (laughs) And I remember my mom just sort of looking over and like being like, yeah, but it was clear that she didn't get it. You know, she was just (laughs) like agreeing. She was just like, because I laughed and was like, oh, Garfunkel, you know. And she was just like, yeah. And, and I like, I immediately understood that she didn't get it. And, and the fact that I could like pick up on a joke that my mom didn't sort of made me had that feeling, uh, you're talking about.
1: Yeah. And it gets back to what you're saying is you, you, you know, when you, you grow older, you get to your mid late 20s and you turn 30 and all these things and you start thinking like I am never going to figure this shit out like it's just gonna be moving from like one frustrating bullshit disappointing thing to another forever and then one day I'll die and you're, yeah. like, you're like oh god I'm fucking up so bad but then you realize literally everybody else is the same
0: yeah and- but, but the problem is is these people who believe in like QAnon and things like that they don't even have these thoughts. Oh no, they're they, like a, they're so behind. They don't even know how fucked they are.
1: Yeah, it's a it's it's a life organizing belief system. It's basically a religion for them. Uh, it, it's filling the space of what should be there, which are things like you know security in your life, in the sense that you don't have to worry about going medically bankrupt or whatever it may be, and you have a strong or at least a present family structure or friend structure something, right? You have something to fall back in, but so much of living in not just America, but in a lot of places now is so just sort of bankrupt in meaning that people are just put plugging in whatever will work and QAnon's kind of become part of that because of the, the fandom of Trump. Did we talk about this last week where I was saying like, I can't imagine anything lamer than being like a college age kid and being a big Donald Trump fan.
0: Oh, I think we were were texting about this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We were saying conservative youth is the death of art.
1: Yes, absolutely. Because there's no, like the, the thing they're. I don't even know if they know what they're rebelling against or if they're rebelling against anything. Like when I was a kid, it was cool to be like against whatever power was above you that you felt like was oppressing you even if it was like your parents telling you to turn the music down. But now there seem to be so many, you know, younger people that are just like really into that and they want to be the person telling you to turn the music down. And that's just so so fucking lame to me.
0: Well, you know, I was listening to uh, Matt Taibbi, a Rolling Stone reporter, talk about the kind of – drastic shift in like moral authority from conservative to liberal and how like now it's the democratic party or the liberals who kind of always want or have the moral upper hand and it's the conservatives who are talking about freedom of freedom of speech and uh you know they they want the right to say whatever the fuck is on their mind and how like just how backwards that seems from 30 years ago. Uh, you know, the the Republicans were the sort of conservative. I mean, obviously conservative, but like morally, uh, were it seemed more concerned with morals and you know not not saying something offensive. But now it's I mean it's the exact opposite. Uh, and so uh, maybe maybe younger people pick up on a sort of moral authority in in the left wing and want to rebel against any form of authority that they perceive. Um,
1: yeah, maybe, but that, that's so grim though, Of like, because
0: yeah, but yeah. Cause like, yeah, look, look what your rebellion consists of, like telling people to turn their music down and like doing your homework or something. I don't know what conservative rebellion looks like Putting wearing on your a MAGA hat
1: putting on a red hat and being like really proud that you live in the same country as Jeff Bezos, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's a strange worldview to me. And it's, it's not that, you know, I think about kids growing up now and how, you know, when I was coming up through middle school and into high school was the George W. Bush years, right. Which were different, but at the same time, there's a lot of those same sorts of things going on. Um, but I feel like maybe, I don't know, maybe it seemed cooler to me then because I was younger and living through it. But like all of the punk bands I'll listen to were like, fuck Bush and like listening to against me, (laughs) have a chorus of a song where they just yell Condoleezza over and over. Like that sort of thing seemed cool and like, you know, anti-establishment to me. But now it's like, I, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm too old. I'm just an old man yelling at clouds. I don't understand anything.
0: (laughs) I I do think that's there. And I think I think the the actual rebellion is like extinction rebellion and the Sunrise Movement uh, and and Bernie, young Bernie supporters. You know, it's not uh, part of the problem with what we're talking about is that the Democratic Party is not liberal. And yeah. it's, I mean, and, and we're recording, uh, what is it, Sunday night. So yesterday, Biden was declared the president-elect. Uh, and it's such, I, obviously, I'm thrilled that Trump lost, uh, but I'm not particularly thrilled that Joe Biden is going to be the president. And it's sort of sad how happy I was, you know, initially uh, that Someone as milquetoast middle of the road as Joe Biden is, uh, is being seen as this sort of, you know, left winger. Uh, It's just ridiculous. He's 30 years ago. He would have been a Republican. Um, Well, so I I
1: was going to say, like, I wouldn't even say he's like neutral milquetoast, neutral milquetoast hotel. Uh, I I wouldn't (laughs) say he's that. I would say because, you know, he's crime bill pro-Iraq war, like all of these things that were just like
0: actively exactly. catastrophic and that's uh, you know we've talked about this before and everyone says this and it's true Hillary Clinton lost to Trump because Hillary Clinton was not a liberal
1: yes she's it, it the, seems she's like Biden same. won for the same reason which is a weird inversion
0: yeah uh, something you were saying a couple minutes ago though about like QAnon people sort of filling a, a gap in their, in their lives Made me think. Uh, you know how I had this thought the other day. Uh, you know how some people will say they'll sort of lament the decline in Western culture of rituals and rites of passage. They they, they usually talk about this in the context of like uh, declining masculinity and like men yeah. aren't taught to be men. And you know, there's, there's just no like sturdy rites of passage into different phases of life for men or, or anyone else. And I can't remember what made me think about this recently, but I had the thought that that's, a, that's not true. And what is true is that all we have are rituals and rites of passage, and we don't have the much more important thing, which is like, reasons to live in between those things you know so it's like the the idea that tons of people go to church and and perform the ritual of attending whatever sort of service but it's this it's in a lot of cases empty ritual and the content of the substance of the beliefs or, or the actual living is is basically empty because because most people's lives are not informed by, you know, what they're learning or thinking about in church, or what they're learning and thinking about in church is actually informed by a larger sort of capitalist ideology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can apply that. you know, think about the emphasis on weddings over marriage. Uh, there's just a hundred different examples of where like our our culture values the rite of passage or the ritual over the quality of life in between those things that, and that would give those rites of passage and rituals meaning. Uh, anyway, it, just you, you talking about empty lives made me think about that.
1: No. Yeah. And I, I think that's all, that's all good stuff. That's good stuff right there. Uh, <laughs> but it, it makes me think of uh, something that really kind of back when COVID became sort of when COVID hit the scene and we were on lockdown for you know too short of a time and all those sorts of things something I thought of was like of course like there's going to be unrest people might start hitting the streets for different reasons this was even before George Floyd and the other uh, you know black Americans wrongfully murdered in the streets Uh, but uh, I was thinking about like What's going to happen if there are just no sports? Like, people are going to lose their fucking minds. I know so many people that organize their lives around sports seasons. And you're talking about rituals, right? It's sort of like the Super Bowl is like a national holiday and things like that. And I was like, man, if these sports don't come back, it's like the bread and circuses thing. I'm like, if that doesn't come back, I feel like whatever problems we were going to have anyway are just going to be magnified.
0: Yeah. And like, maybe. I mean, but also maybe that's, maybe that's what it takes for people to pay attention in, in some way, because I mean, sports, I think, I think it's in a Wendell Berry essay, he's talking about how, um, whereas people used to learn the history of their leaders, uh, they now memorize the statistics of their particular sport that they're interested in. Um, And they're more likely to know the history of a, of a football team than they are the history of like the town where they live. Um, which is definitely true. And so you wonder if, if taking away sports will cause utter chaos or will it cause a newfound political interest? Is it even a good thing for these people to suddenly take political interests? Because if they've <laughs> spent their entire lives worrying about football, I can't imagine their opinions are particularly evolved. Well, that's where the Trump, the Trump
1: hordes come from, right? The Chud hordes. They cut. It's basically the sportification of politics to yeah. the point where Alabama now has a senator that was a football coach and has no, yep. no experience or, or, you know, anything qualifying for him for the position. Uh, There there was a great uh, article uh, that a friend of mine sent me that was former Auburn players talking about how they felt about Tuberville running for Senate and they were all like so disappointed and like, they were like, I can't believe he's doing this after he sat in so many, the homes of so many like young black men and like told their family that he cared for them and would take care of them and all this sort of stuff. he's like, I can't believe he would do this. Uh, But now you know what? He has no president to uh, kiss up to. So fuck you. Tommy yeah.
0: it's a shit show out there man yeah
1: and at that's, least, that's, least it. That's, a thesis.
0: Now. that's a good thing
1: <laughs> dude I, you say that so uh, I was uh we were trying to do some early Christmas shopping because we are doing Christmas early for different planning reasons and uh So I was like, well, we'll go look at like actual stores because trying to get anything shipped from anywhere is kind of a huge pain in the ass now. And I was like, I I feel somehow morally better if I just go to the store and buy it myself and like put my own life at risk as as opposed to some warehouse worker. And so we go to Walmart and Walmart has actually been, at least here, one of the safer places, I think, because the, the mask wearage is like, you know, high 90%. Like every time we go in there, almost everyone has a mask. Everyone stays away from you, that sort of stuff. But we went the day after, uh, or I guess the day that they had announced Biden won, and every white person over the age of 30, like, except for me, was just like literally and metaphorically mask off. <laughs> like it didn't, did not seem like they gave a shit. Um, like whole families with their kids, just no mask, just walking around, uh, it's so it's, it's basically what most people think Walmart must look like anyway, but that has not been the case for the past few months.
0: Wow. That's weird. Uh, yeah. and maybe it was just a bad yeah. day, but it was,
1: it seemed like an eerie coincidence.
0: Yeah. I, Jensen and I were talking how, you know, it's one thing for them to wear a mask when they're fearless, when Trump supporters, their fearless leader is in the white house, uh, you know, pro, uh, being at the very least being skeptical uh and at the worst like insulting masks Uh, but it's a it's another thing when it's not their guy in a position of power when joe biden the liberal radical left-wing socialist that joe biden is tells you to wear a mask they're they're definitely not going to wear a mask
1: no but that you know what are you going to do at that point?
0: You'd, you'd have to get like Hulk Hogan or something To tell them to wear a mask For them to wear a mask
1: Hulk Hogan Just uh, some Their hero Oh well
0: that'd be Trump right I, I,
1: I'm i kind of interested to see like What Trump does now Like what what is his life like after this
0: Republicans are making asses of themselves And I at this point i just kind of hope it continues because all they're going to do is further damage to the republican party and and in 30 years it will still be a rhetorical sort of talking point in campaigns like you're a republican uh you supported this person who tried to subvert american democracy how do you explain that you know uh, so I say, I say, let the Republicans wallow in their own shit and dig the trench deeper.
1: Uh, it's cute that you think in 30 years everything will still be working <laughs> in the same way.
0: Wow, well, I'm not sure it'll be more like uh, like idiocracy or something. I'm sure they'll be like <laughs> like Hulk Hogan will be the president.
1: It'll be like a Futurama. It's just Hulk Hogan's Wait, did, head in a jar. Did,
0: yeah did hulk hogan die
1: no no right no way not the hulkster know. no way brother no way
0: somebody else uh famous oh it was, uh, alex trebek died today sean connery died a couple days okay. ago for
1: a second i was like are you telling me you confused hulk hogan and alex trebek no <laughs> no he's a he's a 67 years old okay still as jacked as ever he's a real american
0: Oh my god. Um uh, okay, really, let's Borat. talk about what's what's changed since 2006 to 2020, you know, in terms of of what uh what Borat sets his sights on.
1: Yes. Well, I don't know. It's, it seems like it's mostly the same kinds of targets.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of similarities, I think, uh especially in like the the ongoing jokes about women, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, can they drive cars and, you know, you keep them in cages and things like that. Uh, but I'd say the biggest difference, and it's maybe a way to show, uh, at least a, a little bit of progress. Uh, you see the two like QAnon, you know, conservative dudes that he quarantines with, uh, explain to him how you know women have brains and they can think the same thoughts as men and drive cars and you know they have muscles just like men have muscles and they can do things uh it's it's like that's the one it's like the the film is saying like even these guys understand this uh so maybe there's been at least a, a smidge of progress in you know, compared to 2006 when everyone was just a shit show on everything. Uh, there's, it seems like there's, that's just at least a little ray of progress.
1: Yeah. But, but then he, uh, there were some scenes that to me were like, they could have, have easily been in the 2006 movie. So for instance, the, uh, the the abortion or the you know she swallows the little baby toy on top of the cupcake and they go to the clinic and uh it's very much like a one of these what do you what do they call them i think there's like an actual name for this like group that does this but it's like a clinic that's designed to get you to keep the baby instead of having an abortion um and to me that was like you could, that scene could have been from any time in the past 20 years. And I'd be like, yeah, it fits, fits perfectly.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think it was also in 2006 when that documentary Jesus camp came out. Did you ever see that?
1: No, you, you, uh, you've mentioned it a few times.
0: Yeah. It's, it's definitely worth watching, but it's, uh, there's, uh, certainly some overlap in terms of like the Christian conservative fundamentalist beliefs, uh, were becoming kind of undeniable in 2006. Uh, And that's another note I made here. It's like in 2006, it felt like in Borat, the racism was being exposed. And in 2020, sadly, it's sort of the status quo on which the humor depends. It's it's just
1: assumed that the people he's talking to will be racist and all these other things right yeah and that's and that's a a big like baseline shift where when i first heard that there was going to be a second borat movie i was like well what's he gonna do because now everybody's just you know mask off everybody's just they are what they are at this point so how do you you're not going to trick them because they'll tell anybody that will listen about you know how you know Trump is is fighting the pedophiles or whatever like they're not going to hide it it's not under wraps anymore
0: yeah it's a it's a big shift from you know in in 2006 you kind of unconsciously as an audience member you're unconsciously assuming a sort of decent human being and that's what makes the people the people he interviews That's what makes them seem ridiculous is the distance between what you perceive a normal, decent American to be and how these people behave. And in 2020, you're assuming all these people are racist pieces of shit and the humor is more predicated upon like uh, how thoroughly he trolls them. You know what I'm saying? Like how far – He gets them to follow him down this, you know, racist, xenophobic, homophobic rabbit hole.
1: What does he have the lady write on the cake?
0: Uh, Jews will not replace us. Put a smiley Smiley face face on
1: it. And she just does it, right? Uh, Which is, uh, that's got to be a shout out to the, um, you know, the bakery. I guess there have been a few of these stories, a bakery that refused to make a cake for a a same-sex wedding. Uh, but yet yeah. they'll do, I, like, I assume that's what he's doing, kind of a shout out to that. But I think that might get back to what we were talking about earlier. Of Maybe that's why Borat had to become a little bit sort of, I guess, woke. <laughs> you know, as woke as the character of Borat can be. Because that is kind of the only way to sort of chafe against what is now just, just really explicit, you know, racism, xenophobia, whatever, whatever bad you know ideology you want to plug in there um the only way to counter that is to you know counter that and have some sort of you know wokeness come out of borat in some way um but even then i don't know it's sort of like i think he had to finesse it a little bit to 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 make it not just like borat pointing at this person saying did you hear what they said because that wasn't wasn't going to work
0: Right. And he used in, in the second one, there's like the woman who's like babysitting, uh, yeah. Tutar or, uh, you know, his daughter, uh, the, the, the black woman who is sort of the moral compass of the movie, you know, like yeah. she's like the voice of reason. Uh, and so it's, you know, the, that aspect of it is written in a way to where it's not Borat or his daughter preaching. But it shows you that there are, you know, there is decency and rational human beings who can make moral decisions. Uh, and and they let her and a few of the other characters uh, or real people uh, kind of teach you those lessons. The same it's the same in the first movie. Uh Remember the guy that's like teaching him to drive in the first movie? Yes. And he when he first meets him, he kisses him on the cheeks. And the guy's like taken aback and he's like, Okay, I'm I'm not used to that, but that's fine. <laughs> and yeah. and that guy's like my hero because like you can tell it makes him super uncomfortable. And yet you know, he doesn't like freak out, he doesn't insult him, he doesn't and, and when Borat gets, you know, uh kind of prejudice against women when, you know, in the car, yeah. Just talking about prostitutes and things. Uh, that guy sort of corrects him and says, you know, a woman has a right to choose who she sleeps with and, and certainly has a right to drive a car. So like I said, they let the decent people teach the lessons of the film, uh, as opposed to the, the writing of the movie or the characters, explicitly you know saying anything
1: yeah it's just finding the decent people seems to be the issue yeah Um, yeah but you know and it's another what i think would have to be a purposeful move is to make the the moral center of the movie this black woman um you know which has a lot of sort of symbolic weight in in 2020 america or at any time in american history to have a, a black woman be the the voice of reason uh, and sort of a stand-in for, you know, not America at its best. Nothing like super duper cliche like that, but at least like an uh, America that sort of like has a basic understanding of how human beings should interact with one another. I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and oftentimes when movies do have uh, black characters, they're they're not realistic. They're not. Uh, they're not indicative of the black ex- the, the black experience in America. I, have you ever heard of that theory uh, in quotes here the the magical Negro theory?
1: Yeah, the Bagger Vance and all that. Yeah,
0: stuff. yeah. One of the worst examples of that that I can think of is the Family Man. You know Don Cheadle plays this like angel. Um, I don't think I've, I'm familiar with this movie. family with uh, Nicolas Cage Christmas movie Tailloni.
1: I'm I think I'm
0: confusing it with the Weatherman. The Weatherman kicks ass. Uh, the Family Man's it's a pretty cool little Christmas movie, but it's you know full oh, the of Family Man
1: had a had a preview that used Once in a Lifetime, uh, the Talking Heads in it. I, I don't mm-hmm. know why I remember
0: that. I uh I really like the movie The Weather Man. I've seen that several times, believe it or not. Um but uh yeah, anyway, there's several examples of that uh to where even when you know there's there's obviously the whole kind of discourse on representation in in Hollywood uh but sometimes you uh, you know there's as much damage can be done by the types of roles that black actors get, uh, not just whether or not they get a role. Uh, and to me, it's, it's it's almost more insulting in a way to have this kind of year after year trend of black actors being cast in these sort of magical, supernatural roles. It's almost like an admission that the people making these movies have no idea what the black experience is like. So there's like, Oh yeah, you got to play the angel um, or the ghost or whatever the fuck it is. Um, anyway, uh, all that to say to have a movie where the moral compass or the voice of reason is just like a, a very down to earth sort of relatable uh, black woman is, rare unfortunately and and definitely uh consciously done in borat too yeah
1: and it's one of those things where like the portrayal of of uh, black characters and uh you know black actors being put on screen in the first place in the pa- past few years has been driven mainly by black directors who have been sort of given opportunities like uh you know, think like moonlight and get out of sort of the big two examples um uh if bill street could talk that sort of stuff which is a black director with black actors and a story by a prominent black author mm-hmm. um just you know things that took 250 years to to come come about i guess mm-hmm. um
0: but yeah uh, i saw somebody I can't remember what forum or something I was reading talking about how the Criterion Collection doesn't have enough, you know, uh, sort of black directors in their in all their collection, and uh, at least on the app, I can see they're really trying to counter that narrative and are starting to include a lot more mm-hmm. uh, black directors. So, yeah, I think that's that's that really is taking a, a turn in the right direction.
1: Yeah. And you know, I'm. A, it's one of those things where, like, no matter what I say, I'm just going to sound like an ignorant asshole. But not yeah. that. Not that there's not black cinema from the previous decades, but not maybe not like at the the uh, major studio. You know, winning yeah, but, Oscars, and, but level. even
0: that there's sort of there's sort of the same. It's the same with women. There's a kind of tokenism. You know, you say, you know, someone says, "Oh, there's there's women directors," and you're like, "Name them," and they're like Sofia Coppola. And yeah. that's it. And you're like, oh, there's black directors. And like, oh, Spike Lee, John Singleton. And yeah. like you say, now it's the, you know, Jordan Peele and Barry Jenkins. But uh, it, more and more, it, it's not so uh, like celebrity focus where there's like, OK, we have our one black director. So we can we can check that off the list or we have our one woman director so we can check it off the list
1: yeah um meanwhile you know there's somebody like kelly reichert out there who i need to see her new movie haven't got around to it yet
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I, I watched uh i watched old joy again the other night nice um, still good
1: apparently sacred cow is not sacred cow first cow is yeah. i don't know it's meant to be good i don't know i'll have to watch it at some point when i get time um, Did You say it's
0: meant to be good. It's meant to be good. You know,
1: I, 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 <laughs> I mean, totally like I, I've seen some reviews be, yeah. that were that were very kind to it. Uh, okay. That's what I mean. Um, that, that, that's just how I think. It's by a director I like. It's meant to be good. <laughs> um, <laughs> it has an actor in it I like. So um, it's about cows. I, I do want to say in um, this just came to came to mind in the second Borat. The uh, actress, and I'm going to have to look at her name because I I can't remember by his name, Um, Maria Maria Bakalova, Uh, she was fantastic uh, and was just like the thing about Sacha Baron Cohen and what makes Borat so great to me is how kind of quick he is on his feet and he just sort of like inhabits that character and just kind of knows how to riff on whatever situation is happening and sort of push it to this like extreme outcome uh for instance probably my favorite joke in all of borat um because it's so just like snappy is when he's in the elevator and he starts unpacking his bag and the guy's like no this is just the elevator and he's like i will not move to a smaller room <laughs> it, it's just so fucking fast and clever um but then maria bakalova is is just right there with them and just sort of doing the same kind of thing um and they're they're sort of you know their interplay is really great when they have the the kind of classical uh, comedic scenes where they're yelling at each other in, in foreign languages, um, which is, I think he's, he speaks Hebrew usually. And then I think now she's speaking Bulgarian because she's from Bulgaria. Um, and they sort of like do that for a while and they sort of like yell or whatever. And then they're sort of a, he turns Borat turns to translate and it's like a funny, that's the punchline of the joke kind of like where they're in the tractor supply company looking place. And, yeah. uh, there, he doesn't want to buy the cage cause it's too expensive and they sort of have, she yells at him in a foreign language and he turns, is like, we'll take it. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. that, their, their, uh, word I can't think of for like, I keep wanting to say interplay, but there's a better word for that. Um, their, uh, their, rapport, there we go. Their rapport is, yeah. is really great. Um, and like I said, she's, she's kind of spot on with all the, all the fast thinking comedic stuff of knowing kind of how to work somebody who is, you know, un unknowing about the situation.
0: Yeah. And even, uh, you can see examples in both of them sort of quickly thinking and assessing the best way to get the best response out of whoever they're talking to. So, in the, in that scene where the, uh, her babysitter, the, the black woman we were just talking about, uh, is asking her if she really wants to get breast implants. You can sort of see her, Maria or Tutar, whatever her name is, uh, very, very quickly, you sort of see her sort of decide, you know, how she's gonna do this. Uh, and so she, then she pretends like she's very sad and she, she actually doesn't want the breast implants. Uh, it, it makes me think of the scene in who is America when, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is dressed up as like the, the like military general guy. Um, and he's talking to Matt Gates, that shithead. Is that the and,
1: the guy that pulled his ass out and was chasing him? No, around?
0: no, 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 no. Uh, uh, I can't remember that guy's name. Jason, what was his name?
1: I, I don't remember. He was from Georgia, too, I think.
0: He's the guy that got, like, actually
1: he, like, uh, fired. Like, office,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt Gates is in the uh, House of Representatives hmm, okay. uh, from, from uh, Florida. You'd recognize him if you saw him. He looks like a super ugly version of uh, Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> okay. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, in Who is America? When he's talking to Matt, Matt Gates, he says, uh, Matt Gates says, oh, so you want me on camera to say that I support uh, kindergartners for with, with guns? And you can sort of see Sasha Baron Cohen kind of think what's the best response to this? And then he just goes, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and just, and knowing that that is the right answer ba- based on the character he's playing, the same way uh, Maria Bakalova sort of understands the best response in order to get the best response from who she's talking to. Yeah, you just have to be so, sort of quick on your feet and like really understand the context and, uh, and understand other people.
1: Yeah. And that's what, you know, both of the actors are so good at, um, you know, and Sacha Baron Cohen is just good at in general. Um, It's so great to watch, like uh, after the second movie, I guess maybe leading up to the second movie, I was watching old interviews where he would go on talk shows in character Um, and, and just how like great those were. And even now I think, uh, him and, uh, Maria Bakalova went on Kimmel.
0: Yeah. I saw it's like a 15 minute clip where he ends up getting Jimmy Kimmel's pants off.
1: Yeah. Um, and you can sort of tell like she's yelling what she wants at Borat and then he's just sort of like, you know, putting two and two together and figuring out what's a ridiculous thing that I could ask. So he's like, she wants your pants. Um, (laughs) So I, I just really appreciate how how quick they are without without it sort of without it sucking I guess is the, the easiest way of putting it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um if there's one aspect of Borat that troubles me, especially the second one, it is there there's a scene, I think it's when uh Tutar has the uh, she's just <laughs> pooped out the baby, essentially. Um, and they're filming in a public restroom. Mm-hmm. And it seems that, 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 you know, there's this sort of, uh, lack of restraint. In terms of like, I mean, obviously Borat is hilarious and Sacha Baron Cohen is a genius, but like I'm not particularly uh, into the idea that they should just be able to put a camera fucking anywhere they want to for the sake of a joke. Uh, It reminds me of that. I think you sent me a, a lecture from somebody talking about the office. And how the sort of documentary style of the office has a sort of more insidious, uh, effect, whether it intends to or not sort of normalizing, uh, camera intrusion into everyday life. Um, do you, uh, do you remember who that was?
1: Uh, no, I don't, I agree with that, but I, (laughs) I, I don't remember.
0: I'm pretty sure you sent it to me. It was about, it was about like, uh, you know the the patriot act and and the office yeah
1: it, it is uh, telling that they they come around or they come about around the same time and in the office yeah. the, and there's even like there's a very minor plot point in the office where they get mad when they find out what has been filmed over all these years but it ultimately comes to nothing more than them being kind of pissy for like 20 minutes of an episode um so it, it, there's a lot of stuff that i find problematic about the office but that that's definitely one of them
0: yeah and and obviously you you know it's real in uh in these instances with sasha baron cohen's projects where like i said it's hilarious it is biting satire and political commentary i'm glad it exists but that does not mean i will just like sign off on like like can you like can you imagine going into learning that a gas station restroom where you went to take a piss there was someone filming in there and that like secretly filming to where you didn't notice like that would freak me out
1: that's showbiz baby (laughs) it shouldn't be no no i I get what you're saying that's
0: my biz not showbiz
1: (laughs) Uh, and i do think like I think about that sometimes cause there are plenty of scenes And how does he get like releases for stuff like this for people to appear on screen, you know?
0: Yeah. You That's know, kind of it's interesting. They, they blurred out the, uh, faces of those people who like did the Hitler salute at the Trump rally. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the only time I've seen him like, Oh yeah. Let's pr- make sure protect.
1: we protect the Nazis. Yeah. Um, I did, I did see something where, um, the old lady who he the elderly lady that he speaks to uh who was a holocaust survivor where it was like i i don't know what of this is true but apparently it's the only time he's broken character beforehand to tell her you know this is a bit um and then apparently afterwards she was like not too happy with the film overall and
0: maybe mm-hmm. she died like not long oh yeah, yeah, I think that. I read about this, uh, which is a little. She sad. she died in like the films dedicated to her.
1: Yeah, um, so I mean, it, just to show that you know the even with Sasha Baron Cohen, there's sort of like limits to the bit. I guess he doesn't want to, yeah. you know, directly insult a Holocaust survivor, uh, for the for a laugh, right? And and then the, she's sort of used as one of those, you know, one of the good ones. It's sort of like her and the babysitter lady and, like, the fax guy <laughs> who's, like, my favorite, probably my favorite part of the whole film where he just is writing. Bill. Like,
0: is it Bill? Oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking of the uh, cell phone guy.
1: Oh, yeah, the cell phone guy. No, the the old uh, dude writing the fax is like, what do you want to say? Sup.
0: <laughs> he, he, uh, he sent you a picture this time. <laughs>
1: Um, just like good hearted people just like I try to make a book um, but yeah the invasion of privacy stuff is something that I feel like most people won't even notice they just I don't know it's interesting to think about like how, how little that matters to people especially with like reality TV and I'm thinking specifically about like reality shows so uh, we've got well I'm trying to figure out how to say this without making myself sound like an enormous asshole. Um, started watching The the Bachelor universe. The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And I don't like it, but Lava enjoys it. Really? <laughs> yeah. And, and Lava enjoys it. And she also watches 90 Day Fiance, which I fucking hate. And um, so in those shows, there are always scenes where it's like the couple like in bed undercovers, like making out hot and heavy and they're like the dude's shirtless and I'm like what happens? Like what is the end of this? Or are they just like, hey guys, hey all of you camera crew, can you leave the room so we can fuck? Can you go in the <laughs> living room? Like it's just fucking so strange to I don't, I, I can I can't imagine being in that situation and not having a mental breakdown like twelve hours into it of like I have ruined my
0: life. Yeah. Uh, and we get, as, as people have greater access to cameras through phones and pictures and videos become more and more normalized. And don't get me wrong, I know I'm like 14 years late to this conversation, but, um, you know, as, as it be- becomes more normal for individuals to have access to these types of recording technologies it's just going to get worse and worse uh, where we become more and more comfortable with oh it's normal to be filmed accidentally or surreptitiously Uh, and i i don't know i feel like an old man on on this topic i'm just like fuck that do not take my picture unless i tell you it's okay
1: yeah Although, you know, I will say if you want to learn about like American, like contemporary American courtship rituals, you should watch The Bachelor um, and how just like interactions between not just the sexes, but just people in general seem to be at a like weird primal level that I'm just very uncomfortable with. Um, and the new season of The Bachelorette was all shot in a bubble because of covid so it's even weirder because there's no one else around (laughs) it's just like however many guys and the woman and all the guys are just like instinctively broing out (laughs) uh it's it's kind of fascinating to watch like you can learn a lot about human behavior and like social construction by watching that my favorite thing is just the central conceit of all of these guys are here because they're madly in love with you and want to marry you and be with you for the rest of their lives. And then in the new season, the bachelorette like decides to end it early because she found the one that she loves already. And they like get engaged and leave and they have to bring in a new bachelorette and all the guys are like, okay, never mind. I'm madly in love with her and I want to marry her and be with her forever. They just like turn on a dime. It's, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. I just, I do, my problem it's drive-through love. It's great. I, I don't. I don't believe that. You know, it to me. Uh, I'm so skeptical of the whole process. Like, it seems so orchestrated to me that I, I'm skeptical of whether or not I can learn anything except about like what producers think will be, you know, good TV. Oh yeah, it, it's it seems it seems to me more indicative of like what producers think will sell as opposed to like how human beings behave
1: oh yeah it's completely fucking orchestrated like there, there's nothing happening that's not like designed to be seen um but that's what kind of makes it compelling of like it's so artificial that it's like you come out the other side of being like do i care about these people um and the best thing about it was the uh the the Bachelorette for this season has been on the show Or an iteration of the show like a bunch of times over the past like 15 years she has made a career out of being on shows related to the bachelor and that to me is like i want to read a novel like a novelization of her life that's so fucking fascinating to me (laughs) that's such like an american success story of like i am known for being
0: on this reality show yeah that would be an interesting story to hear because does she like, you know, adopt a new sort of character personality for each appearance? <laughs> or she, yeah, it's like, you know?
1: I think she I think she's think like, she thing think she's that she's thing like older is wiser she's she's older a wiser, rising she's a phoenix rising from a sort and of this sort it's of stuff because and, and like, I, 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 I of there like people out there, I know at least a couple of a personally, of a her the of time. personally who have followed her the entire time. And they like know who she is. They know her story. They like, they get when she makes a reference to something in the past. And that is like, it's like when I was a kid and I would watch professional wrestling. If my like mom had asked me to explain something, like who's the Undertaker, and then I like explain it, it's the same thing, but with like a real person that's just like out (laughs) in the world. (laughs) Oh.
0: Speaking this is really weird and kind of off topic but speaking of reality television I pulled up Matt Gates's uh Wikipedia and here's a little tidbit about Matt Gates uh representative from Florida Gates grew up in a house that was used in the Truman show A film about a man who's always on television. As of 2018, his parents still live in that house in Seaside, Florida. A sign on their white picket fence says, The Truman House. That's so weird. little tidbit for you.
1: Well, connections, man. What do I say? Like, here at the show, we have nothing if not intertextuality. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, uh, when it comes to Borat, like I don't, I feel like we've kind of hit the main, the main trends that are worth mentioning.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're not just going to sit here and explain the jokes because uh, they're all good. And I, I will say this, uh, not to end on a bum note, I, I do, after watching it the second time, I do think that Giuliani is acting ridiculously unprofessional and creepy and weird. I don't think he was grabbing his dick though.
1: Yeah, I don't either because like who would grab their dick like that?
0: And, and like, it, a weird... if, if you watch it with the understanding that he's reaching for a microphone, like it looks like he's reaching for his microphone. Like I said, he's being a creepy bastard and he probably has, you know, <laughs> He probably thinks he's about to get laid. Uh, but I, I don't think he's, like, grabbing his dick.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't... I, I don't either. I Like you said, like, it, it's enough that he was there and, like, saying the things he was saying and just being an old creepy bastard. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think he was, like, trying to hurry up and whack it under his pants or yeah. anything.
0: Yeah. I mean, they were... Was that, you think that was the four seasons they were staying in that hotel? <laughs> is
1: that a reference to the the Philadelphia thing?
0: <laughs> it wasn't the four seasons. There was a, uh, there weren't any like uh lawnmowers around.
1: Yeah, there's no that mulch.
0: such a great thing.
1: It's, it's pretty fancy. It's sort of like one last hurrah, you know, getting the gang back together to do some dumb shit. <laughs> so good.
0: Oh, uh i can't believe they went through with it like when you realize that your press conference has been scheduled at a landscaping company uh you cancel or you reschedule did you ever watch veep i have not you
1: should watch it because it's it's really funny and and clever but thanks that's literally like a storyline that would have been on veep it's so good and and to go out like that is just like ugh so great well i mean i'm sure he's not we'll see more of them in the next few weeks i'm sure but
0: yeah like i said i just hope they they dig their grave as deep as they can
1: yeah i don't know we'll see like it's it's gonna be like i I don't know i remember when obama was president and i knew people whose parents literally thought he was the antichrist uh so knowing that i know that they're gonna be people that like no matter what happens in the next four years or however long a Biden or Harris presidency would last. um, They're just going to be dead set against it anyway. And they'll be willing to vote for whatever fucking goal they bring up next.
0: Have you heard of these people talking about how, you know, they want to leave the country? Pretty funny. You you just want to be like, okay, do you realize that foreigners Categorically, are what you'll be encountering there. Uh, so, like your sort of anti-immigration thing is just very much problematic in uh, in your desire to leave the country at as a result of Joe Biden being elected. Yeah, uh,
1: and also, do you realize that you're not allowed to leave the country because of COVID?
0: Right, that also. Uh, but even if they could, it's like I, you know, it might do them some good to uh, to be the minority somewhere.
1: Yeah. For, well, now they think they are right. That That's the thing now is they'll go from being, I mean, even when Trump was still, well, I mean, he's still in office now, but when even when Trump was like ascendant, their whole thing was where the, you know, the, the loud minority at this point, like we're, we're under attack, we're under siege, but we're going to triumph. And they, it's just like a hardcore, it, In a, I think it's part of like the evangelical Christian thing of just having a persecution complex where you think you're always the target of whatever's happening. Therefore, you always have to be on offensive. You can never, like,
0: well, and sit back or I mean, work with anyone. It's not that that steep of a minority. Like, uh, the, the election was fucking close. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, scary close. I mean, like, half of America voted for that piece of shit.
1: Millions of people. Tens of millions of people. Yeah, Uh, That's what they want, Uh, for whatever reason it may be, whether they're sound like like Ben Shapiro. That's what they want. That's what that's what they want. That's (laughs) what they want. Certified freak. Uh, Anyway, um, Uh,
0: excuse me. Uh, I was wondering if you could tell me who let the dogs out. Did uh, I send you that clip from uh, Cumbtown? Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um. So yeah, that anyway yeah Borat's good watch watch them I guess they're fine um and and like we talked about the big thing was just sort of like how he his he meaning Sacha Baron Cohen and the, and the writers that he works with how they've designed the character of Borat in these situations that they create that they sort of build up uh to reveal things uh, or critique they don't always have to re- reveal them throughout the surface but at least critique these things about American culture um, and at least get people to laugh at them one. Uh, but also if you think about it a little bit deeper to sort of start to analyze them, because that's the point of satire, right? To sort of make you laugh about whatever it is, but at the same time, get you to think about it beyond just taking it for granted as something that just is
0: the way it is. Something that goes without yeah. saying it's, it's like an exaggerate, It's hyperbole to get you to really uh, notice uh, what the the thing that's being exaggerated
1: yes so like in the first movie when he shits in the napkin it's sort of like pushing the limits of southern hospitality quote unquote right exactly. so it's sort of meant to push that of like well when does that anyway um, yeah I don't really have much more to say about that um, next week, no me neither great movies Yeah. next week we're going to be uh, getting a blast from the past We're going to be watching silent running from 1972 directed by Douglas Trumbull, not known for directing, but known for being a a wizard with special effects. Yeah. Um, and this is a movie we just kind of like came upon randomly and we're like, Hey, that's cool. And Bruce Dern's looking young and hot. Um, (laughs) and it has, it's sort of, I think it's going to go in the folder with like interstellar *Ad Astra. Um, those different movies, the space movies that we've watched basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As, uh, outer space exploration as a, as a kind of vehicle to navigate the, the issue of, uh, the earth as resource. Yes. And, and,
1: uh, outsourcing things from earth to other worlds or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't watched a a sci-fi movie or an older movie in a while. So,
0: yeah, I, uh, so our, our friend Corey just, you know, bought a house and he painted this, uh, cool little like shed in his backyard and he's got a movie projector set up, uh, Outside, And I feel like this might be a good movie to watch out there. It sort of looks sort of campy and, you know, sci-fi. So maybe I'll see if I can bomb a viewing. Get you some Uh, milk duds and a Coke and just. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, we watched uh, Hocus Pocus on uh, Halloween out there. So maybe I'll do it again.
1: Just maybe. Stay tuned. We'll let you know. Yeah.